The goal of this podcast is help you break in and thrive in advertising. We do that every single week by sharing the stories and advice of those rocking it on the other side. And every so often, we invite on an advertising journalist, journalists on the show, to talk about the state of the industry, learn about agencies and their perspectives on advertising, since these journalists cover it for a living. Today, we learn from Jasmine Sheena. She is a business reporter at Marketing Brew. She has also contributed to the New York Times. We talked about what she covers and plans on covering in 2024. And if I need to remind you, 2024 is an election year. So Jasmine will tell us about her predictions and anticipated coverage of political advertising, not results or who's running. We talk about the ads pretty much. But we also talk about what she covers, which is what she calls hardcore agency news. And the ad nerd in me got so excited when she said that. You'll hear some high-level conversations about the state of the AOR, that means agency of record, uh, independent shops, and other trends in 2023 that we saw, and some predictions for agencies, how they're going to operate in 2024, all through the lens here of helping uh, you navigate your break into this industry. So we always tie it back to you. I think you should follow Jasmine on LinkedIn, X, Twitter, and turn on post notifications so you never miss a beat. It's something I've been doing for so many years now. Uh, my favorite journalist, I, I just stay up to date and I'm the first one to see it. Uh, keeps you in the loop. And if you leave five stars and a nice review on Apple Podcasts, I'll try my very, very best to connect you personally, connect you personally uh, with any of our guests that have been on the show. Now, on with the show. This is the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast. And as a usual, I'm your accomplice, Gino Schellenberger. Kick it, Mikey. Jasmine, Sheena, welcome to the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast. How the heck are you doing today? I'm good, Gino. Thanks for having me on. Where are you located, Jasmine? Where, where are you recording from? I am in the Big Apple, which is uh, full of tourists right now as we're entering mm -hmm. Christmas time. So. I was just there uh, earlier this week, Monday and Tuesday. What were you up to? Um, I was in the Havas New York office. My team sits in New York and I live in Chicago. I work in the Chicago office. So they actually were really, really kind enough to invite me for the holiday dinner with the comms team from the New York side. Very cool. I like Chicago a lot too. Have Can you been you in the, it? have you been in the summer or the winter time? I actually, uh, visited a while back, but it was in the summer. So I think yeah. I got good weather. That's the time to, to visit. I always say like, I think New York is the best city in the world, personally, but Chicago, like Chicago's home for me. It's just New York is a little bit bigger. Like everything's just a little bit bigger, arguably a little bit better, I think, than Chicago, but very similar. I always should say Chicago is like midtown for normal people who have good work-life balance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, definitely we could talk about that for hours, but I want to get into what you do. Uh, you are a business reporter at marketing brew is yeah. that correct yes 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 and you also contribute and you have contributed to the new york times is that accurate that is accurate yeah so i've done a couple of these uh where i have journalists reporters editors 
that cover advertising on the show. A little less about the break-in journey, because we are talking to people now that want to break into agency life, maybe in-house or or, or client-side in the marketing, advertising, creative positions. But it's so important to, first off, talk about the state of the industry, what you're seeing and what you cover, uh, why that's important, and then how it can help them navigate the changing industry, because it's always changing, and, and really get them a head start and better pathway to that to their dream job. So that's why I love to have on uh, people that cover advertising. And I think it's just so great. I'm happy to answer any question. Let's get into it. So first off, Marketing Brew. There's a couple ad trade publications out there. Um, I'm not going to name your competitors. We're just <laughs> talking about you and Marketing Brew. Um, I have always had this uh, uh, notion that it was first a email newsletter but it's more than that and i want to get clarification on what marketing brew uh what the mission at marketing brew is what you guys do and how you do it differently so can you give me a like an overview of the publication yeah so we do have the daily newsletter component and then uh most of our content is posted online on our website um we kind of cover all different aspects of Honestly, marketing, like I think some of the aforementioned competitors get really, for example, nitty gritty into ad campaigns. We kind of do, we have a different approach in that, like we have a reporter who covers, uh, like gets really deep into ad tech. We have a reporter who's all about streaming. Um, I am the person who kind of covers the hardcore agency news, like hires, buyers, industry trends. Um, I'm also hoping to lean a little bit more into political advertising right. as 2024 ramps up, which is kind of something that um, I feel like is being done less at other publications. Obviously, that makes sense because 2024 is still a, a ways away, but that's kind of what I think I'm hoping to lean into uh, next year. That political advertising is something that I have not explored at all. I have had, I, I've tried to find political ad agencies. I don't know how they operate. I'm assuming that one's Republican, one's Democrat, and they have a suite of candidates. I, I, I don't know anything about the structure. I want to obviously get representation from both sides because it's a career path. If people are passionate about this and they, whether they love it currently at its state or they are ambitious to change it to be more meaningful and more honest, perhaps, I don't know. Um, they should learn about that and they can, they should have, everybody listening should have the knowledge and foresight to pursue whatever path in advertising and marketing that they want. Mm -hmm. I agree. So you have plans. So you already did a, a predictions report. Any, what's the biggest learning from that? I guess, like if you can summarize it, um, for our listeners and they obviously should go find that and read that, but what was the biggest, what, what are you thinking is going to happen in this upcoming craziness? Yeah, yeah, I'll keep it brief. But one thing I thought was really interesting is uh, obviously the last several years, streaming has really blown up. And one thing that I think political advertisers are looking at as they you know, look at delegating ad spend for the upcoming election year um, is TTV ads are blowing up and they're going to continue to grow and uh, political advertisers are going to continue to invest in them. But I don't think linear TV should be counted out quite yet. I think a political advertiser still see 
a lot of usefulness in it in targeting a certain constituency of voters. So yes, yeah, I think and CTV is streaming, and then linear is your traditional cable. Yeah, correct. Is that? I still got it. I still got it. Uh, but want to clarify for our listeners and for myself. But yeah, to me, that's just the media plan. Um, you create a, a, a creative ad and you have to figure out who your target audience is and when they are watching and how you interact with them. So I'm sure there's a lot of data and stats on uh, linear TVs use one way at 6 p.m. on a Sunday night, maybe. I'm sure. But so what was so what was your conclusion there? Just that like, uh, yeah, CTV ads are going to be big, but linear is not totally like. Yes. Quite yet. Streaming. Yes. Interesting. (laughs) Hmm. So we'll be on the lookout for that. And you have other plans to dive into political advertising. Um, So I'll be on the lookout for your coverage. How can people follow you? Is it me? Like. Are you on Twitter X or like the newsletter or if they want to get because I'm checking the website, that's my job um, for the average listener. Like, what's the best way to stay in touch and, and to make sure they don't miss a beat? Yeah, honestly, I need to post more on X, but that's probably the best place is at Jay Sheena 2021. So are you are journalists still utilizing X or I, I've seen a shift with some of the journalists that I know go more so towards LinkedIn and post there? Are you doing both or what, what? what's best practice in your world? I kind of agree with what you just said, where I still feel like a lot of journalists I know are going crazy on X still posting all the time, which is good. It's like helping get their name out there. I do also see this sort of shift toward posting more on LinkedIn, which um, I'm not sure if that's to do with the troubles X has been going through, but that's definitely been a trend I've seen. Yeah. I mean, I check, I, I mean, I check TikTok and LinkedIn and Instagram. Maybe it's on. on TikTok. <laughs> That's smart. That's smart. And then what I see people do is they'll post their TikToks that they make and put it on LinkedIn. That's, that's the way to drive attention, that short form video. Yeah. Really big trend for 2024. Boom. Not, maybe not elections, but just in general. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. Um, I want to, and then also like a, a life hack is if they put on post post notifications on X or on LinkedIn. So every time you post Jasmine, they get a little notification. Uh, Go check it out and interact. I think that's a really good life hack for everybody. To mix social media with learning is Mm -hmm. like the best way. So as you're scrolling and you're watching your regular memes tailored to your algorithm, then you still get some industry news. uh, So you're constantly learning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So... Political advertising, that's on the, you'll be covering that. There's going to be a, you're going to be busy. Um, That's going to be fun. But I want to talk about uh, the business side and what that entails. You mentioned hardcore agency news. I love that. That's what I live for. I, I might want to do that one day. Um, It's so cool. I mean, what better niche than create creative advertising to cover that? It's a smallish pond. I mean, you can really own that. And it's fun. It's not like nothing too harmful or for the most part, it's pretty safe, would you say? I mean. Oh, yeah. I feel like uh, I kind of got into this because my editor was like, you know, that is something that people care about. We should do like a weekly roundup on it. So every week I do 
around of like this person left publicist, this person got hired at Havas, whatever. Nice. I like and that. I try to, yeah, and I try to mix up like, you know, obviously the big fish, like you all, but then also like the Indies. smaller yep. agencies or like in the like mm-hmm. independent agencies. Yep. Um I feel like, yeah, there's a outside of the industry trend pieces I do where I'm kind of analyzing and critically thinking about what I'm seeing. It is pretty like straightforward. It's like X got hired, Y got fired, whatever. Yeah. So you're you're alluding to people, which mm. is so important. I always say, obviously, the names Havas, Leo Burnett, DDB, FCB, you name it, Martin Agency, TBWA, those agencies, those names stay the same, mm. right? The names on the door of the building, maybe the building will move. They stay the same, but the people move around. And you should get a job, not because of the name of the agency, not because it's large, not because it's small, but for the people that you're going to work with. So it's so important to know that the person that made your favorite ad might have been at Leo Burnett, but now is working at Havas. So you might want to work with that person rather than the name of the agency. So super, super important for our listeners to know that keeping that in mind and hunting down who made their favorite ads, super beneficial. What about um, like creative work and... um new business wins is that something that you 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 entertain and and would write about yeah i think uh i definitely do new business wins that's a part of my uh, agency roundup where it's like you know leo burnett won this account it used to belong to this Mm -hmm. group i do that um i also cover like acquisitions and mergers so big time a boss you know buys up something i'll put in my roundup so um i guess strictly not just hires and fires just like Shifts across the industry, if you will. And what have you noticed recently? I thought I know you covered the the cosmics uh, under your brand strategy category or pillar, mm-hmm. uh, being in the Chicago land area. That one blew up, and it's still taking the headlines. It seems like. But what else have you covered recently that you are proud of, or you have a standout ad campaigns according to marketers? what what's what's trending right now i guess in the agency world i think one thing we kind of saw this year is uh sort of this rupture in the agency world of like a lot of brands are kind of reconsidering their aor model so um like the rise of tiktok agencies for example that wasn't a thing a couple years ago no it Um, was not there are tiktok agencies specific just to make tiktok strategy yeah, yeah. Uh, I think one is called GSDNM. It was hired by Stanley, which is that TikTok viral, like, you know, the cups. Uh, yes. The... And when the car burned down, uh, yeah, the yeah. Tumblr was still there and they sent that person a new car. Yes. I, well, GSDNM is a full service agency still, I, feel, I think. Mm-hmm. But they are they developing like TikTok strategies and departments within? Yeah. So I, uh, Stanley hired them specifically as a right. tiktok aor yeah isn't that crazy <laughs> you it have is. i mean you have to adapt i mean it's smart yeah and i think uh because we're getting all these like you know new platforms and some get viral and some don't and um a lot of marketers i feel like are having to diversify their marketing strategy so i think some I think in the story that I wrote, like some people I talked to were talking about, you know, the positives of having an AOR is all of your marketing needs are in one house, in one place. You talk to that same person 
Um, but then an argument to be made against that is, well, what if you want somebody who's really good at this niche thing and you use them uh, as needed and then you can go to this other body for help with this other platform or marketing need? Yeah, so. we, we see this. The way I kind of like think about this is there's AORs and then there's project-based work. Right. work. And there are some smaller shops, independent shops that hunt for those projects. And then they, because uh, they're smaller or they're new or they're starting out, or maybe they're super specialized, they get a, a chance at a project that's uh, a smaller scope for a limited time. And then they try to get another project. And then they get a couple more projects and they give a couple more clients. And then they slowly start to become like a pseudo AOR um, at that point. Uh, we've seen that with some of the smaller agencies, but and the new business uh, process of the traditional RFP for agencies to just pitch to be AOR, it's now all let's try this out a little bit before we commit. It's like dating, like right. let's go on, let's go on a couple of dates first and try it out. Maybe I'll see somebody else. It's mm. like very like, that's it's a good way to kind of conceptualize it. Yeah, and even that is kind of being. Uh, something that I think brands are thinking about because pre-pandemic, uh, it was like very expensive to conduct an agency review. And um, I guess during COVID, one of the, you know, uh, marketers I talked to for that story was talking about how during COVID, because a lot of things went online that really reduced costs with RFPs, but um, there's still sort of the question of like, uh, is it, like worth it but then another person i spoke to had a counter argument because like a lot of these trends there is a counter trend um of you know having these reviews keeps your agencies your agency of records on their toes it keeps them you know like it keeps up that sense of healthy competition that um makes sure that agencies don't get complacent with your business so yeah it's messed up i think a little bit that's my gut reaction i think like one the agency should be constantly looking for innovation it's on them but mm -hmm. then a marketer can't be like all right i'm going to potentially see somebody else if you don't step up your work it's a little toxic i feel like oh yeah if you kind of look at it like from the agency i don't know it it is it is so interesting and it's scary like how do you kind of like conceptualize this and understand this as an aspiring marketer that or aspiring advertiser like do you want to go big agency route do you want to go small agency route do you want to go in-house do you want to go screw all that let me work for one company i really love mm -hmm. uh and and be the, on the client side and it's good that they need to know that uh but there are some really good independent shops that are doing nimble shifty work that's super creative and you get a lot of opportunities because of this project phase that's going on mm -hmm. but there are and there are still big aors that are getting signed as well. It's complicated. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What else? What else agency wise? Um, any red flags, like warnings to aspiring advertisers or is there anything that they should really look out for that you've noticed? I think one thing you just brought this up at the end is like, uh, honestly, for anybody trying to get into this industry, like um, I think there's a lot of great coverage of the specific campaigns that um, agencies do with their brands. And I think it's very valuable to look at what your competitors are doing and, you know, see if that sparks some creative inspiration in you. Like for me as a journalist, I 
take care to always be reading the content of other reporters inside and outside of my beat. Because I think that makes me a more informed, well-rounded person. Yeah. And I think content. That, yeah. And I'm sure that indirectly reflects in my coverage too. So um, not that I understand, like, not that I know what it's like to be a marketer at all, but I, I guess the advice I would give to an aspiring marketer is like, you know, look at, look at the work that's being done. And also like, look at the smaller, maybe independent agencies. Like some of the coolest work I saw this year was from agencies like Mother or Mischief, which mm-hmm. are kind of smaller, still kind of like, um, maybe not as prominent as, you know, other groups. Yeah. Holding company owned. Yeah. Yeah. Still doing like insane work. The, it's so important. And they need to also look at their comp- competition of the other, like people, the applicants in the pool that they're applying against. Right. So there are portfolio schools out there that they, they breed strong creatives if you want to go that so you need to know that what they're putting out and what what you know we're hiring against your competition you have to see the work that they're making and they post all the portfolios on their websites like miami ad school vcu brand center um creative circus just got acquired i believe and Mm -hmm. is coming back um denver uh, uh book 180 these are all the programs that are built to be your competition in a way right they're they're training and there's nothing wrong with that, but if you can identify who you're up against and then work backwards, I think you'll be in a lot better spot to to really land in those shops that you love. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's crazy. How did you get into the marketing brew, uh, uh, reporting for marketing brew? I think that's that intrigues me. What drew you to covering advertising and marketing? You know, honestly... It was kind of a, I had no idea I would end up here. It was, uh, I kind of moved to New York, you know, two and a half years ago to pursue journalism. I was like a year out of college and I. Oh, we're like, we're around the same age. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where'd, you go, where'd you go undergrad? I went to Berkeley. So I moved from California. Oh, no. Nice. Nice. Yeah. 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 Um, I uh, moved here and I was like, you know what? I like many tell them 20 somethings i want to move to new york and do the thing um i also had to kind of start out in politics and um i worked on a campaign out of college but then after that was over it was still 2020 pandemic nobody wanted to hire a new grad and i was like you know what what's close to politics political journalism and i cold emailed a bunch of editors out here in new york and one of them decided to take a chance on a random kid from california i became an editorial assistant out here um, and then I kind of found I was, uh, I wanted to become a full-time reporter, but I didn't really have the, the clips to become that yet. So I started doing a lot of, um, stringer work, AKA like freelancing. Yeah. Uh, um, and I was doing that for a couple of different places, like the New York times the New York daily news. Um, and I was just like, I'll do whatever I would need to kind of get those clips to be taken seriously as a reporter. So I was. And they pay you for that or like. Yeah, how does that work? Do they do you like pitch them? You're like, I'll write this story. What can you give me for it? Like, how does I'm I'm curious. How does that process work? No, that's a good question. Uh, so they both paid me on an I believe an hourly basis, and then it wasn't pitching. It was like, uh, like for the New York Daily News, they had me cover a lot of crime. So sometimes they'd be like, Hey, this crime happened over here. Go take the subway over and see if you can talk to people in the area and uh. It was very like on the ground reporting with the New York Times. It was a lot more 
I think my stories trended a lot more political. Like the first thing they had me cover was like, hey, Donald Trump's coming into town to testify uh, with uh, the attorney general here in New York, go to the scene. And all these other stringers are there trying to get footage. And well, before that, um, like, how did they even consider you to like to say, like, we'll pay you hourly? Um, like, do they say, all right, we'll have you on a wait list. And if there's a story that comes up, you got to be on call and here's the hourly rate and we'll let you know type thing. Is that more so? Like, I'm trying to understand the structure because I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, honestly, it's kind of almost honor system in that they're like, you have to like log the hours in like mm-hmm. their portal. And I'm like, I would just log like I worked, you know, it took me two and a half hours to cover this and write this, whatever. I assume if you put in some crazy number, they would flag that. But there's not really a way, I guess, that they had to. Yeah. You know, a certain I was there at like 1207 and I left at like 105. <laughs> right. And then you got to write it. Right. Or. Right. Right. Edit it. Yeah. I, I think that's really cool. I admire that you you kind of made that jump to New York. So did you have it? You had it lined up, right? That person took a chance on you. Oh, yeah. I never would have moved to New York if I didn't have a job here already. I'll do that, though. That scares me. I don't understand that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and you are in California. Yeah. I had moved to San Francisco after Berkeley for a year because I thought I was going to go into politics. But uh, I guess people plan and, Mm -hmm. you know, things don't always turn out. It's better to have, like, even if you have a plan, it doesn't work out. You'll still land somewhere and, like, it might even be better. Like the people that just go like, I don't know, I'm going to go with the flow. I don't know how they do that. I'm so type A. Yeah. Where I have to have some sort of vision just to keep me afloat. And then if it doesn't work out, it will still land me somewhere that I'm, I'm like kind of happy with, I'm, I think. So also kind of actually relevant to our ad agency discussion too, is like, I feel like the you know i watched mad men when i was younger yeah me too madison avenue culture right and i was was just on madison avenue like my dreams were like fulfilled because i love mad men (laughs) do you want to move here that's why they had me there okay they they were like trying to they're trying to get me this is my life i'm telling uh, just all of our listeners but new york's trying to get me my team's in new york so they're trying to like they took me out to dinner and they, they, they want me to move there but yeah. Chicago is home and they want me to stay. So I'm in like this weird situation. I'll keep you updated. I see. <laughs> but yeah, so you were saying Madison Avenue and what else were you going to say? Oh, yeah. I feel like the, uh, I guess it's just a reflection of West Coast versus East Coast culture. I feel like people here are a lot more like work, 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 go, go, go. And I feel like that there's, I mean, I, I mean that's why I moved here for journalism. There's more media jobs here in the same Bain, it would make sense to me. There's more ad agency jobs out here. Yep. I just feel like there's very much more of that competitive. Uh, do you culture. love it or do you hate it? Ooh, I, I like it, but I do feel like living here has made me a more stressed out person, which I don't know if that's good for me in the long run. I love that though. Like <laughs> I, 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 you feel it when you're in New York. Like yeah. You get there. And you have to like work hard, like, cause everybody else is up late and like, it's a little toxic for sure, but it, ha- but you have to work hard to p- afford it and like make it like, and to like sustain a living. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it'll, it'll bring the character out of you. It'll beat you into shape. <laughs> yes. And I, I'm trying in Chicago. 
is just a step back. It's just a, a little bit easier. I mean, it's a little bit more relaxed. I mean, we work really hard here too. Yeah. And it's still not, it's just more affordable. So you don't have to stress much. Like you can find like cheaper housing that's still in a, I live in like the best neighborhood in Chicago and I don't pay that much at all. Like I have a roommate. I live in the North side, like in Lincoln Park. And it's like not that much money. I'll tell you off air, but, um, and like just having family by me, like I know if it doesn't work out, I can just go back to the suburbs too. Right. It's not hard. Not as hard to afford Chicago. So I think people still are ambitious because the skyscrapers are all here too. Right. But yeah, I guess I'm just internalizing and projecting what my my brain is thinking about the the, the two cities. Well, I think even Chicago is a step up in business from the West Coast. Oh yeah, I was. I my friend moved to San Francisco from Chicago, and I visited him. Jack Westerkamp, shout out, my best friend, and it's so relaxed there. Like, oh, yeah. But it's not cheap though. Say, like, honestly, moving here wasn't a sticker shock for me because I lived in San Francisco. Right, I think like those New York and San San Francisco are like two most expensive. Yeah. L A. But Chicago, I mean, it's so cheap compared to two. <laughs> um. All right, we're digressing a little bit, but I think that's fun. I think I've, I'm glad that people got to hear that. And uh, anything else? I think you, you're doing a great job. And you've how long have you been at Marketing Brew? Uh, nine months. I started mid March. You're doing a great job, and um, I hope you stick. I know you have passions for um, uh, politics, but I think advertising and covering creativity campaigns, people, agencies. The world and every business is going to have to advertise as long as there is um, capitalism, right? So it's never going to go away. And I think everybody, as long as there's not, as long as there's competition and like different types of car brands, right? There's always going to be competition. So they're always going to need advertisers and we're always going to need people to cover advertising to ensure, keep us in check, making the ads that's not crap or not false. And you foster an environment that we strive to be better. So I appreciate and I hope you stick with it for a long time and become the biggest fish in the small pond, the smaller pond that is covering creativity. Thank you, Gino. I appreciate it. Is there anything else that you're dying to talk about that we didn't get to go through? But um, other than they know how to connect with you, I'll put your, 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 the site link in the bio that's in there. People go check that out. Anything else you wanted to bring up? Um. Actually, I'm going to throw it back at you. What are some ad agency things you've noticed, trends, and I'll react to that. Yeah. Um, so the AOR project work is super important. I think, um, you know, independent versus holding company is always an interesting conversation. Um, Super Bowl's coming up. You got to be, you got to be, we got to lock in for that. That's going to be huge. Um, you know, what I think is interesting, I think for aspiring advertisers is it, they should entertain, uh, in-house companies that have, so they're it, like liquid death is super creative, but they're smaller. It's like just a dream team. Mm-hmm. They were all ex advertising professionals that created a water company basically. Um, but there are some like vital proteins. Um, I think Under Armour, Spotify, the biggest brands have these internal creative agencies that operate very similarly 
that um, they breed, they, they have some good creative work. They have really good stuff because they have a lot of funding and they're close to the source. I think that's a really interesting, safer route. But um, a lot of times it's harder to break into right away because they still want that advertising agency experience first because there's mm-hmm. nothing like having multiple clients and the fast paced um, pressure of an agency for a first couple of years. So if you want to entertain that to the listeners and, and, and for you to cover, I think in-house agencies are, you're going to see more of that. I think they deserve that. And it's a, a good career route as well if they can manage it. Oh, interesting. I, I think a counter trend I've heard too is um, I've noticed a lot of big companies recently have eliminated their CMO roles. Like I believe UPS was one of them. And then I believe Etsy also announced in the last. Oh, damn. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong. No, no, no. I think, I think those are also kind of two different things too. Cause like. Yeah. Chief creative officer. I don't know. I know that like uh, Rocket Mortgage we had on Casey uh, Herbis, who is a CMO and what? he has like a 200 group like for Rocket Suite. He has like 200 people that are just working on their like they're l- above the line and below the line stuff. Um, but you're seeing some CMOs like just get rid of completely. Like how can they operate without a CMO? I think in some of the cases they moved some of the CMO duties to like another C-suite person and it just got like uh, absorbed into their duties. Um, I'm just thinking off the dome here, but uh, I do also think there is something to be said for for every trend. There's a counter trend. Absolutely. So I'm talking about this, but I think what you're saying is extremely valid too. So we'll yeah, see how next year plays out. Yeah, I mean, I hope, I still have a lot of faith for agencies. I think it's the best place for for aspiring advertisers to start out, get into a big agency. I'm, I'm biased towards big agency in a big city, New yeah. York, Chicago, LA. Um, but there are some really good creative shops in, in off cities. I think you get so much experience so fast. You grow up so fast. You have to like, they, they put you in the fire cause it's high, it's, it's high, uh, high volume and quick deadlines. And it's, it's only getting faster. So, I think do that for a couple of years and then figure out like maybe your MBA and you go marketing side, maybe you become, you, you ladder up. There's a lot of routes that you can springboard off that first, first step. I think diamonds form under pressure and I I feel like there is something to, if you start out in a major city ad agency that it was probably more stressful, but I feel like you would learn things faster. And sometimes you might realize you love it and like, that's for you. Right. Right. But, Jasmine, great. I, I'm so happy you came on and you got to share your experience. I'm excited for people to follow you and read your stuff and your coverage. Thanks, Talk soon. Talk soon.